Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. We've been talking about Elijah, the series on Elijah out of the Old Testament. Jesus mentions him in the New Testament 28 times, at least in the New Testament. Elijah is mentioned. Must have been very important. Probably the third most uh, recorded and talked about uh, Old Testament prophet and a lot said about him in Scripture. Go back to 1 Kings. You'll get a background story of his life. We're in 2 Kings. I want to talk to you about some of the last lessons that Elijah ever shared with us. Begins in chapter 2, verse 1, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to, to Bethel. Bonnie Weir has most of her career been a hospice nurse. You can find her on the internet if you want to look it up. Vani Weir. And um, she works with the sick and the dying. She goes into homes and, and in the last month and the last weeks and the last day and even the last hour and the last seconds, many times hold their hands as they have breathed their last. And over time, she's done a, uh, what I would call a accumulating of facts and thoughts of those who are dying. And she's listed in one of the books the top five regrets of the dying. Very interesting. Uh, people who were dying and said, if I could just do it over again... They said, I would be true to myself, true to yourself. Instead of letting people just dominate my thinking and instead of people overriding my dreams and and my ambitions and controlling my thoughts, I would be true to myself. The the men primarily have said that their regret was that they had spent so much time at the office They spent too much time building a career and uh, building their life around work and not so much with family or living a full life. Uh, Others have wished that they uh, had uh, shown their feelings more. They regret not showing their feelings towards those they love and expressing affirmation to those that meant something to them. And they hid how they really felt. And if they could do it over again, they would express their concern for those that made a difference in their life. Some said they wish they'd stayed in touch with friends. Uh, when we don't stay in touch, friendships evaporate over time. If you don't stay connected once in a while, either by phone or letter or stopping by, it isn't long that that friendship begins to fade and begins to wane away. Others have said they wish they'd laughed more. And uh, that's not been my problem. I, I enjoy a good laugh. And it's biblical. In fact, the matter of merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Only takes 13 muscles to smile where it takes 33 to frown. So some of you ought to give your face a rest. 
quit frowning and smile a little bit. Uh, life is good. You better enjoy it uh, while you can. Relax a little. Don't take yourself so seriously. I read about a little four-year-old girl who had got a sunburn and her skin was peeling and she was pulling it off and she said, Mother, I'm only four years old and my life is falling apart. Well, D.L. Moody lay dying and he called his sons to come in and said, I'd like to give you a last word of advice. And they gathered around their preacher dad as he was dying and they said, what advice, dad, would you give us? And he said, if God is your partner, make your plans big. If God is your partner, make your plans big. Believe bigger, pray bigger, live bigger for God. Man died and somebody asked the son, did your dad say anything important right as he was dying? No, he said uh, mom was with him right up to the end. Zoom, you missed it. Well, Elijah's getting ready to go to heaven. He's reserved a chariot ride and he's going to go to heaven in a whirlwind and apparently people knew about it. The sons of the prophet gathered on the hillside and watched the valley down below where the Jordan River was, expecting Elijah to be taken into heaven. Elisha seemed to know all about it. And Elijah had mentored a young farm boy by the name of Elisha, big strapping boy. And, and, uh, and uh, Elijah had spent 15 years pouring mentorship into Elisha. Everybody needs three people in their life. You, you need a, a Paul in your life. You need somebody who has been where you're not at. Where somebody who has been where you're not at so you can try to raise to their level. Everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. Somebody that will encourage them and affirm them and build them and not bleed them. All of us have a few people in our life that we don't need in our life. They don't believe in us. They don't like us. And uh, they would harm us, and, and they're detrimental to us. So don't worry about them. You're not going to please them, and you probably won't change the way they feel about you. But you need a Paul. You need a Barnabas, and everybody needs a Timothy. That is somebody, maybe even younger, that you can pour your brains and your life and your thoughts into them, pour your life into them. So you need a Paul that you can look up to. You need a Barnabas that'll encourage you. And you need a, T a Timothy, somebody that you can better and you can give into their life. So Elijah was pouring into this guy, Elisha. He spent 10 years mentoring. He's getting ready to go to heaven. And he's going to heaven in a whirlwind. But before he goes... There are four places, four stops that he wants to make. Four stops that are very important to him. Four stops that I guess would be symbolic. And four things in Elijah's life. And here's the lessons that he leaves for us. He says to Elisha, I'm going down to Gilgal. Why? What is special about Gilgal? Well, Gilgal, the first thing that he wanted to go to before he went to heaven... He said, before I leave, I want to go. May I say to you, before you leave this life, be sure you've been to Gilgal. 
What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, when the children of Israel came into the promised land in Joshua chapter 4, verse 19, it was the very first place they camped was Gilgal. And if you study Joshua 5.10, the first place the children of Israel celebrated the Passover was down in Gilgal. Gilgal represents new beginnings. It's so important that you have a new beginning in your life. I'm talking about John 3.3 where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again if you see the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that you've got to have a new beginning. Everybody needs a new beginning. Every one of us need to come to that place where we're introduced to Jesus and we know him as our personal Savior. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Every one of us need a Gilgal, a place of new beginning. We need a place where we make peace with God. We need a Gilgal in our life. When I was nine years of age, there at 842 South Bellevue Street in Indianapolis, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I knelt down at mom and dad's bed, dad on one side, mom on the other, and I gave my heart To Jesus Christ, it was the start of a brand new spiritual life for me. It was my Gilgal, and I thank God for the Gilgal in my life. I thank God for salvation, that God brought it, and Jesus uh, uh, got it to us, and, and the Holy Ghost wrought it, and the blood bought it, and the Bible taught it, and the devil fought it, but thank God I got it. And if you haven't, you need to be saved. You need to understand that uh, God formed us and sin deformed us and uh, education informs us and religious tr- tries to reform us, but thank God Jesus transforms us. He changes our life. It's not about signing a card. It's not about shaking a preacher's hand. You might as well crank a mule's tail as to shake the preacher's hand. You need to be born again. You need a, a start for heaven. You need a new beginning in Jesus Christ. Now, everything that was good that has happened in my life can be traced back to 842 South Bellevue Street where I gave my heart to Christ. Everything that's good that's happened in my life can be traced back to that Gilgal where I found my beginning. Now, some of you would say, preacher, I don't seem to have a Gilgal. I cannot point back to a specific place or a specific time. But may I ask you a question? Are you a believer right now that Jesus Christ forgives your sin and you're living your best for him, and, and you're living right, well, it indicates that somewhere along the way, you had a Gilgal, and you found Jesus, and you be, began serving him. But Elijah said, I not only need to go to Gilgal, but there's another place. Before I go to heaven, I, I need to stop by this place called Bethel. Why? Well, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, It tells us that Bethel was the very first place that Abraham built an altar. Bethel was the very first place that Abraham called on God. Bethel represents that place of prayer. 
Every one of us in the house need a Bethel. We need a place where we can meet with God, a place of prayer. Now, I don't know where that might be for you. It might be at the steering wheel of that old truck that you drive. It might be in the bathroom where you can lock the door and kneel down by the bathtub and you can pray. It's your Bethel. It might be in some deer stand out in the woods or along a field where you can get alone with God. It, it might be in front of a computer at break time and you just close your eyes and take your fingers off the keyboard and you have a time of Bethel, a time you pray to the Lord. It may be in your closet. It, it, it may be where you're exercising and, and your mind is over on the things of God. And no doubt, Elijah knew how to pray. He had a Bethel. And you and I need a Bethel, a place where we approach God. I believe that he prayed in his meals when those ravens came in in the morning. And when he got hungry, he prayed again, and they came in that night down to the brook Cherith. You'll read about it back there in 1 Kings, somewhere in about the 18th or the 19th chapters. It was there that he prayed, and God raised up a widow's son who had died. Three and a half years without any rain, and it caused him to pray again, and God sent forth rain. And I would report to you that God does nothing except by prayer in your life. I believe that uh, the secret to answered prayer is praying in secret. So Elijah said to Elisha, there's another place I need to visit before I go to heaven. I needed a place of new beginning. I needed a Bethel, a place of prayer, but I also need to go by Jericho. Why Jericho? Well, that's where the battle took place. Remember the battle of Jericho? I believe that Elijah had had a lot of battles in his life. And he needed to be reminded again how God had given him victory in those battles. When he faced 450 wild-eyed, crazy religious fanatics called the false prophets of Baal. And how he stood in that battle and God got him through and God gave him victory when he stood alone. When he faced Ahab, it was another battle, a man that loved his power and loved his turf and was always fighting to be in control. He was a dangerous man, and God gave Elijah victory. There was Jezebel. Boy, did he ever remember old Jesse. I mean, she, uh, she, she tried to destroy him, and she had tried to ruin him. And I imagine many of you have had a Jezebel in your life that you'd like to forget about, that tried to hurt you and your, your, your lifestyle. I believe once in a while we need to emotionally and spiritually go to Bethel in our minds. And we need to think about the things the Lord has done for us and how he's delivered us and how he supplied for us and how we survived and what he's given to us up to this point that's kept us going. It's because the Lord brought through all those battles and God helped him and God will help you. I believe David understood this when he came face to face with Goliath and everybody's making fun and nobody else would face that giant. He said, well, I remember how the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and God delivered me from the paw of the bear. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And he said, and God will deliver this giant into my hand. So what did Elijah do? He said, I want to go back to Jericho. I, 
I, I want to thank the Lord for what he's done, for everything that he's brought me through. I said in the earlier service, and I say it to you, whatever you turn, don't turn into praise will turn into pride. Did you get that? You ought to mark that down in your thinking. Whatever you don't turn into praise will turn into pride. When you, you say, well, God did it, and God got me through, and God stood by me, and God didn't fail me, and when you leave God out of it, you'll begin to think that you survived, and it was all about you and your ingenuity and your strength and your thoughts. It's not about you. None of us can face the enemy and win, but it's God that brought us through. Elijah said, now wait, before I go to heaven, there's one other place that we need to go, and that's Jordan. It's in 2 Kings 2.6, Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. The Jordan River shows us four things. The Jordan River tells us, first of all, that God can do anything. I don't know what situation that you may be in this morning. I don't know what's happening in your life, at your house, or on your job, or in your health, or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with your family. I don't know what battles that you're dealing with, but I want you to know that our God can do anything. What is impossible with man, all things are possible with God. And if you look at 2 Kings 2.8, it says as they went down to that river Jordan, that Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. Elijah was letting Elijah know, hey, watch the waters part. God can do anything. And the River Jordan also tells us that God is no respecter of persons. God parted the water for Elijah when he went to heaven in a whirlwind. And if you look at 2 Kings 2, 14... God did the same thing for Elisha. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Do you know it's no secret what God can do? What he's done for others, he'll do for you. And the same God that give your parents victory is the same God that you hold your marriage together, help you rear your family, and help you to stay steady in the storms of life. If God brought them through, God can bring you through. And Jordan tells us that relationships matter. Ten years, Elijah and Elisha had been together. Elijah had gotten older now. He's no longer able to run for 40 days and 40 nights after only eating a couple meals. Age has caught up with him. But he said, if you will, I need somebody to follow me. And God turned the ministry over to a young man. And for 10 years, Elijah told him everything that he knew. And guess what? In sharing with Elisha and pouring into Elisha, Elisha didn't have to start off on his own and make the same mistakes that Elijah had made. Instead of walking from his side, he stepped up on his shoulders and had twice the miracles in his ministry that Elijah had. Relationships matter. I've done two funeral gatherings in the last 
two days. And I'll be out there again this coming week. Again, it's continual generally. When you were born, you cried, but others rejoiced. And may I say to you, if you live right, when you die, others will cry, and then you can rejoice. Live right. Let's pass the legacy that was handed to us onto the next generation. When I, I see parents filing in and they're setting up the, uh, their names of the children and they're putting the kids in the children's ministry and they're taking the little ones back to the nursery, it's a new generation coming on. And when the teens come in and a new teen comes and we welcome them in, it's wonderful to pass on to them what God has given to us. Relationships matter. Then the Jordan River tells us that we all are going to leave here. Elijah left in a whirlwind. You will leave too and the wind will go out of you. Because Hebrews 9, 27 says, And it is appointed unto man to die. But after this, the judgment. There's an appointment. You will keep that appointment. Ready or not ready, you will keep that appointment with death. We say, well, she left because of an accident. No, no, she left because she had an appointment. And you have an appointment, and I have an appointment. And one day death will come for us, we'll leave. Glenn Payne of the cathedrals, you've heard of the cathedral quartet and the bass, Johnny, uh, was it Johnny, is Yaunt? Am I saying it right? George Yaunt. And uh, then you have Glenn Payne. I think he sang lead. Uh, just a few years ago, he lay dying. He put a lot of energy and, and uh, a lot of life into the quartet as they sang. He would get excited and people would get blessed. He lay dying. He was in the hospital. He was coming in and out of consciousness. They said in those final hours that he seemed to have a far-off look. And he was looking off like he was seeing into the future. And he kept whispering over and over, wow, wow. And his wife testified as he began to die, he began to sing. And his song was, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace. And then he sang, and when he takes me by the hand, and said, when he said that word hand, the last breath of air went out, and he slipped into eternity. He had reached with his hand, and by faith took a hold of the hand of God, and God took a hold of Glenn's hand. I travel a little bit, used to travel a lot when I was in full-time evangelism. There were places that were so far away that I could not get there by car in time, and, and there was a lot of times I'd have to fly. Maybe about every month we'd be flying someplace, and I thought of all those years of flying, I have sat in first class, but I never paid for it. Never in all those years did I ever pay for first class. But I want you to know one day I'm going to leave and it'll be first class. I don't know whether it'll be a chariot. I don't know whether it'll be a whirlwind. But I know that one day the Lord's coming for you and for me. And it'll be our last. We'll be leaving. That's what this Jordan River. I'm glad that I don't have to cross Jordan alone. But Jesus will be there. 
The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, behold, thou art with me. You better be sure he is waiting for you. Better be sure your hand is in his hand because all of us one day will cross Jordan and we'll leave here. I stood yesterday at the funeral home. Just a few minutes, I would lead the casket out of the door and they would put it in the hearse and we would start the drive to the cemetery. As I looked in, I saw on his wrist or wristwatch. I got close and I could hear it ticking, ticking. But there was no heartbeat. He had already left. And someday soon, that'll be me or it'll be you. And I'm simply saying as your pastor, I want you to go to Gilgal before you, you leave this world. It's a place where you can have a meeting with God and have a new beginning and get a new heart and a fresh start. I want you to have a Bethel in your life where you can approach God in prayer and, and talk to God and God can talk to you. Why would you want to go to heaven if you don't talk to him here? Why would you want to go there to be with him? And I'm saying there's a few stops you need to make if you expect to go to heaven. Before we go, be sure you've got that new beginning. Make a start. You'll never get anywhere without a start. And the roadmap here tells us that we need to confess our sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we shall receive new life. Father, as we pause just for a moment at the conclusion of this simplistic message, some lessons that we have learned from that old prophet Elijah before he left, some pit stops that he wanted to make before he went to heaven. And I'd pray just for a moment Maybe there's somebody here that needs a new beginning, needs a start, needs their sins forgiven, and they, they haven't had that meeting with you, and they need to, and they need to stop by Bethel and begin a prayer life and have a place where daily they meet to talk with you, and you can talk to them. And so just for a, a few moments, would you open our hearts? And I'd like to ask everyone to stand, if you would, quietly, with your heads bowed, is there anybody here this morning would say, Preacher, I need to start for heaven. Maybe you just slip a hand up and we can spot your hand and remember you in prayer. You'd like to make that kind of a start. You, you know that before you get there, you have got to make a start. And you want the newness of life. We'll wait just a moment. Well, Father, we come to the close of this invitation and this message. We thank you, Lord, for Elijah and what he's taught us. And for everyone in the building, may they have that new beginning. And may they come to know you in a personal way. Go with us out of the building this morning and, and into a brand new week. And may it be a week that we can be effective in sharing with others your goodness to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And don't forget, you'll have more impact on bringing people out to church by just inviting them to come than anything else that we can do. So invite your friends. Don't forget the buckets in the back. If you'd like to leave your tithe, your offering for the ministry, I encourage you to do so. Howard, sing us out. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. 
For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org. 